Good morning. I bring grace to you and peace from God our Father through our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. The text for today's message is going to be from Romans chapter 1. And as we come to this word, let's bow our hearts and heads in continued prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for grace that calls us into worship today. Thank you for grace, dear God, that helps us live out more faithfully the callings you put upon our lives. Um, Every one of us in this room, we have roles and responsibilities, and in some of them today, we are particularly challenged in living them out faithfully. Maybe as husbands or wives, maybe as sons or daughters of aging parents, maybe as parents of aging children who are acting mm, foolishly, wherever we find these challenges in our callings. Speak a word of encouragement to us today. For this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So we are in the midst of the Nuts and Bolts series, and I always like to make sure that we're all on the same page when we come into worship, and especially when we're in the midst of a message series. The Nuts and Bolts message series has as its focus to make sure we are agreed on the foundation, the groundwork, the undergirding of what it means to be a Christian disciple of Jesus. Uh, I've been in four churches now in my ministry. I know a lot more churches, probably like you do, and, uh, and every church does things a little bit differently. And every particular gathering of God's people throughout this world has different nuances and shapes and sounds and commitments and all of that. And so I always ask the question, now that I'm 25 years in a ministry, what's the, what is the brass tacks? What is, what is the absolute basic um, uh, kind of focus or intention that God has for his people? And so a couple weeks ago, we started out with that call that we heard through John the Baptist and Jesus and the disciples, that phrase, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Just change. If you're going this direction, go a different direction, and that direction more fully in alignment with God's will for your life. It's just real simple. Um, and, and so often in the Christian church, man, there's so many different priorities. We've got to do school. We've got to do mission. We've got to do this program, that fellowship group. We've got to build buildings. We've got to expand parking lots. So much activity in a church. And sometimes it's been my experience as I not only have led congregations but watched congregations from a distance, man, it just seems to become too difficult. Can someone just tell me what the basic training required for a Christian is all about? And I think that's just essential in this moment of reset and transition here at Shepherd. What is the basics? And the basic for me is repent. And if you don't like the word repent, then be transformed or change. Just do something different that is more completely in alignment with God's will. And over the past couple weeks, we've learned those basic areas of repentance, which are kind of boilerplate areas for the Christian church. That would be repentance regarding our moral character and repentance regarding our theology or our confession. And uh, when churches are criticized uh, for who they are and what they do, when Christians are being criticized, typically we're criticized for those two areas of behavior. Uh, you, you Christians are all holier than thou. You look down your moral noses at the rest of the world and think you're just better than everybody else. Well, fair enough. 
I mean, and I say that, by the way, now, I got to laugh, and I was not expecting the laugh line there. Okay, that's coming about three minutes, and when that comes, make sure you laugh, because otherwise I'll feel bad. Um, but, but there is. God has a set of commandments. Those commandments are seen through the natural knowledge of God and of eternal things throughout this world. Generally speaking, it's frowned upon if you kill somebody. Don't do that. If you've got a husband or wife, generally speaking, specifically speaking, don't cheat on them. Simple thought. So, so all of that to say, those are the moral imperatives, and, and that's part of the groundwork of Christian behavior, Christian repentance. And then, of course, there's theological uh, groundwork. There's a confession, a confession of faith. We say it in the Apostles' Creed. There is a doctrine, there is a set of beliefs that we hold on to. And when we are criticized, it's because, well, you guys think you're all right and everybody's wrong. Fair enough. I mean, you can't say this and at the same time say the exact opposite. Either we go to heaven because of God's grace and mercy or you go to heaven because you have really pleased God by your actions. You can't have it both ways. And so there is a definitive set of beliefs by which the Christian church moves. And typically, if we're honest, the nuts and bolts of the Christian faith have been reduced down to those two things. Be a good person and believe the right things. Affirmed, affirmed. And so that's where we've spent the last two weeks. Now, in these final two weeks of this Nuts and Bolts series, we're going to go and we're going to step into areas of Christian discipleship, areas in which God calls for equal and intentional change and adjustment to our behavior. And uh, from my point of view, these are two areas that in the church we often minimize or overlook and these are the two most, from my point of view, accessible areas. And then we're going to talk about mission at the end of this because they are also the two areas where you can achieve the most significant impact in your mission with friends and family and coworkers and whoever else is in your orbit of influence. So today we're going to talk about calling, this third area of change. It's also called vocation. It's from the Latin word vocare, which means uh, to call. And so as we think about our callings, it was just as I explained to Luke up here for the children's message, it's painfully simple. We all have roles and responsibilities. Those roles and responsibilities we have are not accidental. They are not inconsequential. They are the very fabric of humanity that God intended. When Adam and Eve were born into this world, they were given the callings of being husband and wife to each other. Cain, Abel, and others came along. Oh, now you're mom and dad. You had to tend the garden. They had to take care of business. Friends and family gathered. I'm not sure exactly how to explain that because friends and family were all their kids and grandkids, so that must have been a, must, a mess for Christmas. But you get the point. Calling is part of the essential nature of our human existence. It is not an accidental quality to our life with God. It is absolutely foundational to it. And so when we talk about callings, and about repentance or change or transformation in those areas, various roles and responsibilities that we have, um, we're not just talking about how to be a better person. We're talking about how to live more, more fully in alignment with who God is and what he has done. There are strengths to capitalize on. Each of us 
have great strengths that we bring into those various spaces and places of our roles and responsibilities. And sometimes the way that we show honor to God and we change in a way that honors God relative to our callings is by improving on the strengths that we have. I have five brothers and sisters. Each one of us, six children, had different strengths that we brought to the table when my mom and dad were getting older before they passed on. Um, when, when my mom needed to talk with somebody, it was a phone call to Scotty. When she needed something to get done at the house, it was a phone call to Jeff. When she needed to write checks, she called Sue. When she wanted to gripe and moan, she called Kathy. And then Rose just got us all in line because she's the oldest sister and she made sure we were all doing the right thing because she's the boss from Chicago. So that's kind of how it works, you know? Of course. And so, so anyway, so we all have these, these, these strengths that we bring to the table. And, and part of the repentance is saying, look, I'm not going to take those strengths, those gifts that God has given to me in terms of my personality because they all come to be a significant part of the callings that we live out. Um, so, so grow in those. How can I be the best daughter for my aging mom? I already am all that because she depends on me so much. How can I even enhance what already I am for her? And then there, of course, as we think about callings, there are deficits that we want to correct. What are those areas where, as a son, as an employee, um, this is a place that God is saying, you know, you're getting away with a little bit too much here. You need to shore that up because that doesn't bring honor to me. That doesn't show that you see this opportunity, this responsibility you have as a gift. This past weekend, or this past uh, Thursday night, I uh, was able to uh, be over at the Mountain View campus with 280 crazy families as we celebrated their children and the step-by-step walk that their children are making toward this um, three-year-old or four-year-old Christmas uh, season. And, uh, and I had the opportunity as the children were dismissed in order to get ready for the uh, singing and pageant part of the service, I had the opportunity to uh, talk with a captive audience and I shared with them an affirmation about their calling. Um, I remember how difficult it was with little tinies in the house trying to be a husband after only four short years and we're still trying to work out marriage, still trying to work out adulting and what it meant to have a job. Uh, trying to figure out how to have friends in a new city um, that was uh, foreign to me, and, uh, and we were learning all about that. Um, and so I just wanted to speak a word of affirmation to them. And I said to these parents that were gathered, I said, thank you for the efforts positively that you are making in order to become a better husband, a better wife, a better grandmother or father, Uh, for these little ones that have been entrusted to your care. And I shared with them, just as again, uh, to help put framework and structure to how we correct deficits or improve strengths, the five love languages. How many of you, by the way, have read The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman? Yeah, great book. Gary Chapman is his name, The Five Love Languages. And the basic thesis of the book is, um, how do you give and receive love most joyfully? Every one of us does love in a different way. 
Um, for some of us um, here at Christmas, this is the greatest time of year because we show and receive love most by giving and receiving gifts. Um, some of us are just oriented toward stuff. Uh, my dear wife, Renee, is a love language of gifts kind of person. She expects that at Christmas time, there will be not just a great gift, there will be many, 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 many of them. My daughters are returning on Tuesday. We have one week not to blow this. What are my daughter's responsibilities? Honey, here's the credit card. Good luck, be gone now. How many gifts should I buy? How much money should I spend? As much as it takes for mom to love me. That's all we need. Is it manipulative? Absolutely. But I've learned over 25 years, because I do love my wife, that I do want to make her happy. And she knows after 25 years, I am not the greatest gift giver, so any effort, with my daughters now help after the age of 21, awesome, thank you God, for 21 and 18-year-old daughters, we just make it happen. So gifts are one of those. Uh, another one is words of affirmation. Uh, some of us love to be affirmed, and especially to be affirmed publicly for what we do well. And when we are criticized, it is devastating. It is like clear-cutting a forest of trees with one fell swoop. And so words of affirmation are also paired with a hesitancy to critique. It doesn't mean we are wilting violets. It just means that our hearts are built around words of affirmation. Quality time. Snuggles. Um, sitting and drinking coffee, reading the morning news without having to say anything, but you're there at the kitchen table. Quality time is another kind of love language that may be a place for others that are entrusted to our care. We show time. Uh, acts of service. Um, your uh, aging parent loves to play Yahtzee. Yahtzee. I am the only pastor in this world who mentions Yahtzee in a sermon today. I guarantee that. And you, you cannot stand Yahtzee. But because your mom loves to play Yahtzee or Rummy Cub or Rummy Cube or whatever it's called, you will play that game, that game of Rummy with her. Words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, uh, gifts, and then finally physical touch. I uh, am mindful that sometimes the most important thing I do with my son is throw him on the ground in the living room and attempt to break drywall with him as we wrestle. If I go in to give him a hug, he is like, ew, stop it, Dad. But if I throw him in a headlock and Renee is yelling, boys, stop it, you're going to hurt the dog, I know at that point in time that through physical touch, I am showing that I love my son Connor, right? You see... The fact of the matter is, we show love in many different ways, and by doing that, we show. We exhibit a greater faithfulness in our calling. We shore up deficits. We take advantage and accelerate strengths. My brothers and sisters, you have so many non-accidental callings, places where God has given you as a gift this opportunity to serve. The question is, how will you go about that today? We read a little earlier, Bruce read for us a little earlier from Romans chapter 1. I want to read to you these uh, short verses from the end of that lesson just to bring this topic, this 
fundamental piece of groundwork for our Christian discipleship, a little bit more in focus as we think about what it means to be called. Paul writes this, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey, bringing glory to his name. And you are called and you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to every one of you in the city of Rome who are loved by God and, listen in, and are called to be his holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. You see, the foundational calling is the call to believe in Jesus, to turn back to God, and to know that in your life with God, he is giving you a new heart, a renewed mind. He is giving you an inclination to do differently than you have been doing to this point. By God calling you to faith in Jesus Christ, he has turned you from going this direction so that you can start going in the direction that the shepherd is leading. And part of that change in direction as you respond to God's call for your life is to also respond to God's call in the various spaces and places that you live out these different roles and responsibilities. I want to talk a little bit about mission for a second. Because when I think about this topic of being called and having various roles and responsibilities in life, I think this is one of the greatest opportunities for us, for all of you, to nudge and move people in your orbits of influence a little closer to God. And this is what I mean by that. It is true that the Christian church is criticized for our morality, for being holier than thou, for our confession and the arrogance or perceived arrogance that we are right and everybody else is wrong. I, I recognize that. But you know as well as I do that so often in life you are having conversations. Just think about all the conversations you've had in the past week that have really revolved around the calling either of God for your life in various roles and responsibilities or in the life of another. And one of the greatest, most fertile areas of Christian mission that we can take advantage of when someone shares with us how they are struggling as a husband with a wife or a wife with a husband as a marriage is fractured. The greatest opportunity we can take with someone who is trying to help an aging parent um, who is more and more in need of their children's support or a parent who, with their adult children, is trying to help bring them back from the brink of destruction, is to affirm the fact that their role in that moment is not an accident, that God is not absent from that challenge that they're facing, that your commitment is to remember that there is someone more beyond who gives guidance and direction and encouragement and perseverance to that situation, and to say, I am going to pray for you. In fact, is there anything particularly regarding this role that you are living out that God has put you in, not by accident, but by his divine intention? Is there a, a, a specific something I can pray for you for? Because when that person, recognizing God's calling on their life in that space, tries to correct a deficit 
or to enhance a strength. That is something that God smiles upon. And we as a Christian church, we want to be found blessing that, affirming that and connecting it up, not just to a, a general kind of you know, lifestyle choice, but God gave you this call. You are in your aging parent's life for a reason. You are sticking it out another day of marriage faithfully for a reason. And we want to get after that. We want to take that as an opportunity for mission. I've given you some, uh, again, the classic index cards. I'm collecting hundreds and thousands of these, reading them all. And uh, it, has been, uh, it has been an experience. And today, I, I want to keep the practice going. If you've not received an index card, does everybody have one? Did anybody, does anyone not receive one? Okay, great. If you didn't, uh, the ushers are helping out. Thank you, guys. Um, but on these index cards, here's my next question for you. Because what I'm trying to do as a pastor is learn the heart of this congregation. To make sure that as we do ministry, we're not just doing ministry in my own thought bubble, we're doing ministry in the orbit of your life and influence. So my question for you today that I'd love for you to put on the index card and then put in the offering basket as it goes by is this, what is the greatest calling challenge that I'm facing? Where is the most significant place of stress or confusion that I'm having in a specific calling of my life? As I described to Luke, as I've said and, and kind of repeated throughout this message. Because as we go forward, I want to make sure that we are responding to that. Not just in the messages I preach, but the programs that we as a ministry staff put forward at this church. I'm asking this of our high school and junior high kids. I'm listening intently because it's been now, gee, well, a lot of time since I was in high school. And high school's changed. And uh, what I do as a pastor, how we lead them as a congregation for high schoolers and junior hires is different than the high school ministry I had. So I want to make sure that we are the right temperature at the right time. And so if you just take that as an opportunity to fill that out. And as I wrap up the message, I just want to remind you that in the week to come, next week we're going to go a little deeper into an area that is foundational, but more often than not overlooked. And that has to do with the comfort and the well-being, the wholeness of our souls. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk very boldly uh, with Pastor Allen about what it means um, to heal the scars in our souls that we may carry from our childhood or our early adult life, or maybe even last week, for all I know that cause us to behave and act in certain ways, to view the world with a certain amount of cynicism or skepticism. God says to us, look, you are called to be mine, and if you're going to live faithfully in your life, we're going to have to deal with that, that experience, that scar. I find that the Christian church has majored for far too long with theology and morality and we've forgotten the fact that sometimes we can have all the right theology we can do everything morally correct but there is a deep scar that still burns a root of bitterness into our souls and if we don't confront that root of bitterness we are not we are not carrying out the full counsel of God the call of God upon our lives and our discipleship as we prepare to meet him in heaven
So I invite you back next week. That's going to be a deep dive. That's going to be something. And uh, as we make our way through and you hear these themes come up again of morality, theology or confession, our calling, and then next week that consolation or place of, of healing that has to take place in our souls, that you may identify, yeah, you know what? God is calling me to, to deal with this location of my discipleship. And over the next season, the next three to six months, I'm going to make that my priority. I'm going to elevate that to the centerpiece of my daily prayer life. I'm going to elevate that to a place of study and discernment. I may talk with the pastor about this, myself or Pastor Allen. I may share this area of my commitment in discipleship with a friend or in one of my Bible study groups that I'm in because I need, I need shoulder with my shoulders to make this change that God is calling forth from me. With that in mind, let's uh, bow our hearts and heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your call on our life, that you've called us to faith in Jesus, and by faith in Jesus, you've saved us from our sins. We ask you today, Heavenly Father, give us wisdom as we live out our roles and responsibilities that we bear in this life. And give us joy. Increase our joy. We don't want to trudge through uh, what it means to be called. We want to hop and skip and jump with the joy of Jesus in our various callings. To turn away from despair and to turn into the smile that you have on your faith as you see us, as you see us expend the effort necessary to be the best that we can be with those tasks that you have laid before us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people in agreement said.